muscle, I know it's time to come up. I'm a little intimidated, I must say. It's hard to follow that. <laughs> hey, uh, man, worship just took us into the presence of God, and it's perfect, perfect for everything that God had in store for this day and this week in your life. And so I, I want to remind you, our purple book right here, Good Discipleship Book, and I, as I had to tell the first service, it's, uh, it's a lot of paper put together, and it's bound. It is a book, but don't let it cause fear in your life, or don't let it trigger you into old memories of school and, and kick you out into bondage and, and, and go home and have a bad day or a bad week because we're asking you to, <laughs> to open a book again. I know it's tough. Struggle is real. But the good news is the answers, the, the, script, the, the address for the scriptures to all the answers are right there at every question. Hallelujah to that. <laughs> All right. Hey, we've been uh, talking about this with our, our men, our, uh, some guys of, uh, that get together, and it turned into a life application uh, scenario. I won't tell you what it was, but you got to have your own group of conversations. But are we talking about sin and our sin nature and how we are without Christ? And, uh, you know, the scripture clear is clear about that. And we were able to talk about some scenarios that, um, that, developed around or, or that that had context too and it was just a wonderful time of wise counsel and so I want to encourage you to get into the purple book and get with some others that are going on the same path with you so you can work out work out this content work out this information and then allow God to disciple you and you disciple others good hey there there's the man right there with with all the muscle <clears throat> and so <laughs> and then hey y'all quit looking at him Hey, ladies, ladies, he's taking. You see, you see that lady right? Yeah, they, okay. She's feisty too. She don't mess around. Uh, hey, student night is Wednesday night as well. And so our, from our 6th to 12th grade, uh, bring them up here. If you have students, you have kids, have that age, or if you have that, that, rant, that, that bad neighbor in the neighborhood who's vandalizing things, kidnap that child and bring them on Wednesday night. <laughs> And get them saved, and then we'll figure out how to get them back home. We'll Uber them home. Or, or part of the punishment of vandalizing the neighborhood is walking home, especially if they don't know their address, figuring out how to get there. <laughs> when you hear Jesus, you know his voice, you hear his voice, and then you follow, and Jesus will lead them home. Don't worry. <laughs> So, hey, before we move forward, I want to invite Dr. Bruce and Dale Woodall up here. They, yes, give them a round of applause. If you haven't had the pleasure of meeting these guys, they have been here for two years and they are going and have been working towards and are in their, just past their first leg of this, this season of being in Burma, which is just outside of, it's old Myanmar, is it, did I say that correctly? That, now Burma? Near Myanmar, uh, just outside of Thailand. And so I had a great discussion about that last night and I think in now, when y'all get back, maybe we should do a night where y'all just kind of break that down and probably all your news tales and stories. Does that sound good in 23? All right. That, that means you got to make it back. And so that's what we're going to pray for today. But they have uh, ventured out into a ministry, and there is actually a documentary on this ministry, Free Burma Rangers. You can find it on Netflix, Amazon Prime, Amazon Prime for sure, Vimeo, Right Now Media. Oh, that's a good one. Awesome. 
That is awesome. That's a whole nother, uh, a lot of good content in Right Now Media. But uh, free Burma Rangers, and so yes, it, it, if you think about the, the Rangers and the Army Rangers, there's a connection, a tie there. So I encourage you to go watch that. Um, but then there's also a movie that kind of explains some of that, and it's Beyond Rangoon. That's right. That's right. So a little context, but they're going to give us a lot more next year. We're going to pray for them that uh, the Lord just bless them. Would you extend your hand out to these guys? Father, we just thank you so much for, for those who are listening to your voice and they are following your voice even into a place that seems challenging, darking, dark, and, and, and full of oppression and what would be fear if it weren't for your presence calling them into such a place in such a time as this. Father, we just pray for protection. We pray for provision. We pray for clarity of mind and peace that all anxiety and worries that may be trying to attack and, and, and the coverings and the, uh, for the family that's being left behind, Lord, we pray for protection here. We pray for peace of mind so that your saints can do the work of the ministry in which you've called and created them to. And so, Lord, we just pray for safe travels. We pray for uh, kingdom opportunities, relationships. And, Lord, we just pray that everything that they learn from pastime through the summer that it just compounds in understanding and wisdom so that they can spread that into the people's lives in which they touch. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen and amen. Would y'all give it up for the Woodalls? Man, we just love that. I love seeing people walk into their destiny, and that's what it's all about, is discovering God's will for our life. They're, they're walking, that's called a specific will, a calling for, of God on their life. And what we're talking about in this series, Decrypted, is discerning the will of God, the general will of God. And what happens is when we begin to discern the general will of God because we begin to follow his ways that begin to form his will for our lives, he shapes it in such a way that life goes from having our spiritual journey from like a, a widespread, wide-angle view to a binocular-type view to a monocular where it's like, now I know the specific will of God for my life because what happens is the more we align with his word through his will, then his specific, we begin to hear his voice and his specific will just, it almost wells up inside of us so much that it's painful not to do it. And that's a good thing because you, he, he begins to healthy, in a healthy way, burden you with the very thing in which he's created you to accomplish. That's Ephesians 2.10. And so the, the series is decrypted, and I have to explain this to the older generation. The younger generation kind of gets it, right? Right? I mean, yes or no? Oh, you're all old. So I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I had to. No, I, we love you being here. Let's, let's, let's educate you. We need you. No. Uh, so encrypted, you say there's text, there's content, there's data. And it's important data. And you don't want anybody else to know what it is or what it says. And so it comes out looking like this, a bunch of letters and numbers. Anybody ever seen The Matrix? Now I am talking to that. Yay. Now the younger generation is like, what? What's The Matrix? <laughs> and so it looks like this, but, but I think sometimes when we approach God's word, it looks like this. And so we're trying to take this and decrypt it and bring it into plain language. 
And so that's the content, that's the purpose of this, this series is to bring what, so, what seems to be so encrypted and hard to understand. And I don't know what God wants for me. I don't know what his will is. And I don't know, I just don't know. And we almost give up because it seems difficult. Well, we're going to decrypt that. We're going to make it really easy. We're going to put cookies on the bottom shelf so everybody can eat. And then we're going to help you, encourage you to discover, begin to walk, discern the will, a general will of God for your life so that you can discover the specific will of God for your life. And the one who does that is the one who created you. The one who gives that is the one who's calling you. The one who did that, who is bringing that to you, is your creator. And no one knows the creation better than the creator. No one knows the inner workings of how we function, and especially specifically how you specifically function, except for the one who created you. He knows your why. He knows the what. He even wants to give you the how, but it all comes through him, and so we have to lean into him and begin to hear from him. And we're using the book of Nehemiah because it's a very spiritual journey in a very natural sense. It's a similar journey that God has every one of us on, and God used it through this Old Testament true event. It took place, historical event, but it has so many spiritual meanings and so much rich spiritual content to us that now on this side of the cross, we apply it with the illumination of the Holy Spirit through God's eyes, decrypting it. Then we can begin to see how Nehemiah's life actually and all the things that took place in Nehemiah's day actually align with what God is doing for us and to us and through us in this day. I know I said a lot, but check this. We're reading in Nehemiah, Nehemiah 3.1. It's the only verse we're going to use from, from there, but I need to break it down for you. Eliashib, the high priest, and, and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set its doors in place building as far as the Tower of 100, which they dedicated it as well. Notice this is the principle of the first. They, the first gate that they set up was the sheep gate, and then they had the high priest, they had the priest come, and they dedicated it. It's the same principle as the tithe. It's the first 10% that is dedicated to the Lord. It belongs to him anyway. When we bring it back to him, it blesses the rest. This was the principle that they were walking out. This gate being dedicated to God would bless the rest of the passageways coming in and out of Jerusalem that would protect Jerusalem once they're rebuilt from any predators or terrorists or, or uh, uh, enemy that, that is naturally against, uh, against Jerusalem, against any city that's fortified. Well, the walls were torn down. Walls were torn down because they weren't following the will of God, and God was trying to correct them gently, bringing prophet after prophet. And finally, he said, listen, you're going to go into exile for 70 years if you don't change and turn your heart back towards me. And they didn't turn their hearts back towards him. So there they are in exile. However, this is a time where they're being led out. They have been led, re released out of exile. There was a Joshua. There's a jo two Joshuas in the Old Testament. One led after Moses passed on, uh, the deliverer of, of God led the people into the promised land. And this Joshua, a completely different Joshua, led the people out of exile under Babylonian uh, oppression. It was Persia, then Babylonia, Babylonia, then Persia. Out of Persian oppression, back to Jerusalem. And this is where we're at right here because Nehemiah gets word that, hey, some of my kinsmen have already gotten there, but yet this, the walls are still in ruins and the gates are still torn down. So Nehemiah, 
goes, because God put this in his heart, the, the specific will of God. This is, the, this is the story. And then he goes, and now he is there rebuilding, and they consecrate. They, they put together, they build, the, the, uh, they hang the sheep gate, and then they consecrate it to God. So it's the principle of the first. Let me, let me just show you this in, in real terms. Uh, this is my daughter. She lost a tooth this week. See this little tooth? Aw. Little tooth right there. And so that's her second tooth to lose. Well, see, that night, the tooth fairy didn't have chain, time to go get change. <laughs> and so all the tooth fairy had was a $100 bill. And the tooth fairy better show up. Because that girl's going to wake up the next morning. And the tooth fairy better had come. Well, the tooth fairy came, and, and the tooth fairy brought uh, my daughter Naomi a $100 bill, and she wakes up all excited about it. And I said, that's great. Now we need to give 10%, $10 back to the Lord. And she's like, what? <laughs> and I thought it's really funny because that's what a lot of the congregation does whenever I talk about the tithe. They're like, what? <laughs> and then she said the next thing that the congregation says whenever they finally are, are, are willing to be convinced is she said, I'll give him five. <laughs> and I'm like, that's what, that's exactly, it's the nature, it's, right? But it's the first 10% of all of our increase that belongs to the Lord. And when we, we bring that to the Lord, he doesn't, we don't receive it, we bring it. He, we bring it back to the Lord. He blesses everything else. We want it all to be blessed. And so it's a little piece to be able to take it back to him. And so this is what they did. They hung the gate, the priest dedicated it. We see this all through scripture so that they, the passageways would be blessed. Get this. The name of the gate was the sheep gate. Notice that the sheep gate, keep that in mind. Sheep gate was the name of the gate. This is a natural gate, natural gate, true gate. But it's going to have a lot, it's got a lot of spiritual understanding to it and meaning. It's a, called a type and a shadow of the Old Testament. Now, there's some cookies on the bottom shelf. There's some, I put some medium-sized medium cookie, uh, medium-level cookie, okay? So some of you are going to eat there. And so they, it's a sheep gate. But the sheep gate would be the gate where all the animals that would be brought into the city to be sacrificed for, to God, this is the gate in which they all had to be brought through. So a very important gate, right? They dedicated, consecrated the gate. They de get it, de dedicated it back to God because this would be the one where all the animals that would be dedicated, sacrificed back to God would come through for the remission of sins of the whole city, all the families. This is good news. Psalms 100, point, uh, 100 verse 3 says, Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us. And we not ourselves. Sometimes we live like we made ourselves. I, 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 that's, oh, that's what the word says for you? Well, I got my own rules. I'm going to do me. Well, this is my truth. Well, good luck. See how that truth works out for you. But when it doesn't, there's the word of God. Because he is the shepherd. He is the one who made us. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Then Psalms 23 verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And this is a theme all throughout Scripture. You are a sheep, I am a sheep. I'm a shepherd, but I'm a sheep. And this, this thought has been negative, given negative definition by the world or Satan twisting it through, because Satan's a legal expert, by the way. And the, the, the connotation is, oh, what are, you a, what are you, a sheep? 
And what that happens is it speaks to the pride and the ego of man or humanity. And then self-defense starts to come about. And Satan knows this. He knows there are little trigger moments. He, he, is a, he is a studier of humanity. He knows what will set us off, what will tick us off, what will send us off into a, an attitude outburst that will last us 15 days. And so when he speaks to the pride or the ego and the self-defense, all of a sudden it's, no, I'm, I'm not a sheep. I got, I'm, I'm my own shepherd. That's the response when that, con- that word is taken out of context, that meaning, that, that, that phrase is taken out of context. Rather than, well, I am a sheep to the great shepherd. And I know where my covering is. And I know where I get my protection. And I know where the righteous path is. And I know where the path of favor and abundance is. I know where the path of blessing is. That's never the first response, by the way until it's discipled in. And that's what we're talking about in everything that we're doing right now is discipleship, discipling. Because in a stressful situation, we always default to our, highest, our lowest level of training, our lowest level of di- discipleship. To the level in which you're, di- the lowest level in which you're discipled, the foundation is where when you get triggered or somebody pulls you off or something happens that's very challenging in your life, you're gonna reduce down first to your lowest level of discipleship. Well, we gotta disciple that up so that it doesn't go very far. Yes. All right, let's pray and let's go home. All right. So <laughs> I want to show you some things and uh, that we understand what God's will, how God's will applies, how shepherds apply to God's will for our lives. But first, first, we need to understand that there are some faux shepherds out there. Warning, Scripture says. Warning of false leaders, false prophets, false, pastor, false pastors, false shepherds. I'm saying faux. You ever got a, a chair or a couch from a garage sale thinking, dang, that's a good price. It's all leather and everything, girl. Well, let's take it home. And then you get home and it's pleather. <laughs> faux leather. No wonder it was so cheap. Well, that's the same situation. Jeremiah 23, 1 and 4 says, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord of God, God of Israel, against the shepherds who feed my people, you have scattered my flock, driven them away, and do not attend to them. Behold, I will attend to you for the evil things you are doing, says the Lord. That's a good thing. If you've ever been under a false shepherd or a, a really rough pastor, guess what? Don't worry. God's going to take care of them. It's going to be all right. But I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries where I have driven them and bring them back to the, their folds, and they shall be fruitful and increase. Mark that in your memory, because that's what we all want, right? But we got to do it God's way. Amen to that as well? Amen to all. Yeah, it's good. Uh, verse 4, I will set up shepherds over them. Notice that God has a, a method of protection. He's got a plan to guide us, to protect us, to strengthen us, so that we will be fruitful and increase. We want the amen to the last, right? And he sets up shepherds over us to make sure that it's sought through, that it's fulfilled. All right, that's his will. I will set up shepherds over them. This is the will of God for our lives. Who will feed them and they shall fear no more. I don't have to have any fear. God's got a shepherd over me. He's got protection. If I, just, if I can follow the will of God for my life and I can understand, even when I don't understand, seek to understand because that's how we have to do with God. That's called faith. I'm seeking understanding while I don't understand so that in the midst of doing what I don't understand, I will find understanding through the experiential knowledge. Amen. Hallelujah. That's faith. 
that's when God shows up. That's when miracles happen. That's when the Holy Spirit can get to move. We got to get beyond ourselves so that we can actually find some new understandings of who we are because he is the dictator of who we are. Remember Ephesians 2.19, we said that we are now adopted into his family. We are members of his household and everybody likes chores. When you're a member of a household, you got chores, right? I mean, some things I got to do. But then also he says, don't forget, you're a citizen with the saints of the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah, that's our belonging, our purpose, and our identity all in one verse. Now that I know who I am, I don't have to worry about what's going on in the world or culture or anything else. Now I got to figure out, I got to get this culture out of me so I can get God's word in me in a loving, graceful, and kind way. This is good stuff. Ezekiel 34, 1, 2, we're moving on. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God to the shepherds, woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? Can we agree though, he's not talking about little shepherds in dresses on the side of a hill with rod and a staff. Can we agree that? Can we? Okay, if not, we're gonna work it out together. And shepherds has a spiritual meaning of pastors. Sheep have a meaning referring to the people of his flock. So there's shepherds who are pastors. There's sheep who are the people of his flock. Remember, I'm a shepherd. I'm a sheep as well. Before I continue, though, in Ezekiel, let me give you the five basic ministries of Jesus. And now, it's also the spiritual responsibility of shepherds and the sheep. Luke 4.18 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me talking about spirit baptism, anointing comes from this Holy Spirit, to preach the gospel, talking about salvation. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, just talking about emotional healing, to proclaim liberty to the captives, those who have been taken oppressed, they're oppressed, they're taken captive, that's deliverance, that's freedom, and then recover of sight to the blind, that's physical healing. These are ministries, this is what Jesus came to do, this is what Jesus wants to do in and through us. Here's the benefit, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. That means we're walking the spirit-filled Christ-following that we've become, spirit-filled Christ-following disciples. Now, we get to become the latter whenever we've experienced the five former. And the more we pursue Jesus Christ in relationship with the Holy Spirit, we experience a deeper understanding of our salvation. We, We get the anointing of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is very powerful and very effective and very necessary. We get emotional healing, which is what we need because that's where Satan likes to do most of his dirty work. And then physical healing, which our body just starts to get into alignment all of a sudden whenever we start to change things, change our thinking, change our attitudes, change our behaviors, change our habits. All of a sudden, things start to change. And then... And then we get to find physical deliverance as well. If I said that all right. Thank you. So by the way, though, physical healing does take place in and of itself. Sometimes we're sitting there praying, oh, Lord, please heal me, please heal me, when all we got to do is change our diet. Sometimes we got to start eating the right things, and our bodies, which are made to heal themselves, all of a sudden, all this other stuff that we're putting in our bodies are no longer affecting our bodies, and God can do his work. Can I get a good amen there? And sometimes, it's the, it's the, actually, it's the same for emotional healing and deliver, deliverance. Because we got to choose, it's a choice, remember the, say, the choice in this, we got to choose to stop believing lies which are causing damage, emotional healing to our souls and perpetuating more problems in our soul. Some of the things are our own choice. 
And then, <laughs> while I'm on a roll, taking this series in the context, I've got to choose to stop allowing gates and wall parts of the wall of my life, the protection in my life, to be burned down in ruins so that the enemy of my soul can keep coming in and out because he has legal agreement wherever I'm trusting and believing in lies so that I can actually be delivered from some of the, uh, the demonic oppression that's in my life. Nobody likes that, but let me tell you, it's real. These are the ministries of Jesus, salvation, baptism and the Holy Spirit, emotional healing, deliverance, and physical healing. Jesus himself says, this is what I came to do. Now, look at this in Ezekiel 34, continuing on from 1 and 2. It's verses 3 and 5. You eat the fat and clothe yourself with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. The weak, verse 4, the, word, the weak, this is, watch this. You're going to see the ministry of Jesus in this verse. The weak you have not strengthened, spiritual baptism, spirit baptism. Because when you get spirit baptized, you get empowered. You have strength. Nor have you healed those who were sick, physical healing. Nor bound up the broken, emotional healing. Nor brought back what was driven away, deliverance. Now, remember, this was, this was they were out in the bondage. They had been exiled. They had been cast out into bondage, and now they're being brought back. But nobody went to seek them. Nor have you brought back what was death, deliverance, nor sought what was lost, salvation. It's all right there. But, but with force and cruelty, you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the, wild, all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. Now, is this talking about literal shepherds? No. no. Thank you. This is talking about literal sheep. No. Is it talking about literal beasts of the field? No. How do you, how do you know? That's good. You guys are on to something. No, it's talking about the demonic. It's talking about demonic spirits because spiritual leaders are to feed and protect the flock from spiritual attacks of the enemy of our soul. That's the role of a shepherd. But, be, but God says, because my spiritual shepherds did not take care of my people like they should have, the people became food for the demonic spirits. Meat on a chain. And from the first time in the Bible, the beast of the field is mentioned, all throughout the scriptures, you can track this statement. You will see it is used as demonic spirits. Look at this in Genesis 3.1. You know this one. Now the serpent was more cunning. Who's the serpent? Well, how do you know? That's a snake. How do you know? We're more cunning than any beast of the field. Yes, we do know that to be Satan. Because we know the context of the story. And even in Revelation, it talks about it. John refers to the, the, the serpent himself, Satan. Now, it's a natural thing, but it's actually a spiritual meaning. Same here, any beast of the field. Now, why would he go from a natural, from a very spiritual meaning of serpent over to a natural lions, tigers, bears, and polar bears? It's demonic forces. And so we have to understand this when we, he's saying when my shepherds don't, don't feed the flock like they should, the sheep become open prey for demonic spirits. So a false shepherd is not feeding the flock well so that they can be discipled and be aware of the false shepherd, not the, the, the wolves, the beasts of the field that are around them. It's going to get better. John 10, 11 to 13 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for his, the sheep. But a hireling, he who's not, not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them everywhere. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. Do you think the, that, that Satan knows the Bible? 
Oh, of course he does. He even challenged Jesus with the Bible. Is it, but Jesus would respond, it is written. Now, do you think whenever Satan sees a word, like in Zechariah, it says, strike the shepherd and the sheep will flee. Do you think that shepherds are attacked? Yes. You better believe it. You better believe it. And do you think that Satan comes in, tries to attack parts, flocks of the sheep so that he can distract shepherds or causes the disturbance in sheep so that they're, they're running from shepherds? You better believe it. Ten years ago, the national average of a pastor's tenure was 18 months. Well, we again, three years ago, it was three years. A pastor could make it on staff three years before giving up. Two years ago, we had a great a mass exodus. A wolf came in. This thing called COVID, spiritual attacks everywhere. Depression goes up, worry, anxiety, fear, prescription medicines go up 400%. Sheep are scattered everywhere. Shepherds, discouraged, attacked, fall out, quit the business. Churches close down. It's real. Shepherds are true shepherds are here to protect and shepherd and love and help you sometimes from the very wolves that are after your soul and they may be already blended in. If you've never experienced that, come to Freedom, Freedom Conference and by the end of it, I guarantee you, you'll be like, dang, I, I, had, some, I had some stuff. <laughs> but some shepherds are merely hirelings and when they see the wolf coming, or times get hard, they start to send in their resume to other places to see where they can find another job. Uh-huh. And so how do we recognize false or faux shepherds? And it's amazing how a pastor takes a role at a church and, and all of a sudden the congregation shrinks. Somebody needs to tell that guy that, that's, that's, not his, that's not his gifting, right? But some are in it for the title or position, and it's certainly not for the money. But there's some really good people. There's some really good people just in the wrong role. And so a false shepherd scatters sheep. A faux faux shepherd functions outside of their giftings, and and when you're functioning outside of your giftings, you end up hurting people. A faux shepherd won't tell you the truth, the hard truth in love, grace, and mercy. He's patting you on the back and telling you, attaboy, you're doing such a good job and you're not. And he knows in his mind, man, you are lost as a goose and what you're doing is not gonna help you at all. And I do have the truth, but I just can't give it to you because you might leave me. And, and, and you remember, I, I went to that church. I remember watching that pastor. But we loved him so much, he wouldn't say a thing to us. He told us stories, and he, he, he gave us two scriptures out of the Bible, and he talked a lot about his, really his opinion. But he wasn't feeding sheep. He wasn't protecting sheep from the wolves that were, that were trying to get into the flock. Because the truth Delivered in love, the hard truth, delivered in love and grace and mercy, but yet still staying steadfast on this is the truth. This is what we got to do. It's not five, it's ten, and it's the first. Y'all know what what I'm referring to? Yeah, good, okay. Shepherds are supposed to feed the sheep, set up perimeters to protect the sheep, not abuse and beat the sheep. Listen, it's amazing how many many sheep love or miss going to church and getting, getting beaten up. It's real. But we don't have to get beaten up. We're not here to get beaten up because Christ took the beating so that we wouldn't have to receive a beating at all. He did it. Let me give you the number two. 
admonition, follow true shepherds. The, the Bible admonishes us, gives us a stern warning with firm gentleness to follow true shepherds. Shepherds are, God, are part of God's will for us. Jeremiah 3.15, the prophet who prophesied, hey, listen, if you don't turn your heart towards God, you're going to go into exile, which is why we got to Nehemiah in the, in the first place. He says in 3.15, and I will give you shepherds according to my heart. Now, he's prophesying of what will happen after the exodus, after, after their return from the 70 years of exile. He's prophesying, hey, there's good news on the other side of this thing. I'm going to give you shepherds after my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. And can I tell you, it's Pastor Cass's mine, Debs, Ashley, uh, everybody on this staff, our joy to feed you with knowledge and understanding. And sometimes we probably give you more than you can handle, but we'd rather overdo it than underdo it. It's a joy whenever those little lights start to come on and it just clicks and all of a sudden, like this leadership class, how they've grown just in the short five weeks, that, that's why we want you to do the, walk through the purple book with us. When lights start to come on, because we're giving you the hard truths that somebody else should have done a long time ago, but they didn't, but now they are. And now it's clicking and it's making sense and you're applying it and life's changing. There's, there's things that are happening in your favor, in your family's favor, and it's just working. Why? Because it's by faith that it works. We love it. Let me also say we, we wrestle many wolves out of people here, and sadly, some people enjoy the wolves more than they enjoy the shepherd. And they mean well, but they don't realize the bondage of the lies in which they believe and they hold on to, and they'd rather hold on to those comforting, maybe it's generational truths. Well, my granddaddy did, and then my daddy did, that's what I'm going to do. Well, well, great, that's going to keep you in bondage, but there's another way, and there's a blessed way that will actually change the dynamic of the generations for the generation to come. Well, sometimes the blinders are just on. John 10, 1, 7 says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the, door, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will be, by no means follow a stranger, because, but will flee from him, for they do not know the, strength, the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they didn't understand it. The things, they didn't understand the things which he spoke to them. Therefore, verse 7, Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. Remember the sheep gate? All of that was pointing to Jesus. Oh, now, it's, now you see it, right? That's when spiritual eyes start to open. Revelation comes in and it's like, well, what more took place in the Old Testament that points us to Jesus? The sheep gate that was dedicated, sacrificed, that was consecrated to the Lord. First, it, it gives us a picture of first things that bless the other. And, it, and it's also a passageway in which every sacrifice would come through that would be sacrificed to the Lord, and yet, yet lo and behold, here is the sheep gate. And he is saying anyone who, she, who passes through here, what he's saying is if someone comes and they're a pastor, they're trying to pastor or lead, and I haven't called them, they're false. They're going to hurt people. But he says, he's saying, but they pass through me. And if I call them, those are my shepherds. Those are the ones I'm speaking through. And those are the ones I'm calling to lead. I'm setting shepherds over the flock, shepherds according to my heart. This is what Jesus is. Jesus is the one who calls shepherds. 
And how many remember us discussing the, whole, the gifts of the Spirit in the, in the previous series? Y'all remember that? Anybody know what the gifts of the Spirit, you, you know what that is? Well, how many know that there's also gifts of Jesus? Look at this in Ephesians 4, it starts with 8. When he, Jesus, ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. I want gifts. Ephesians 4, 11, 12 says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. I, guys, I've been telling my wife this for 10 years now. I'm a gift. <laughs> I mean, I'm a gift every which way. Nathan means a gift from God. And I'm a pastor shepherd. I'm a gift, guys. Jesus says this. All five, all five equipping gifts from Jesus have the same ministry, but they have different functions. Look at this in verse 12. This is the function. This is the ministry and how they function differently to perform this one ministry. For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. What's, your, what's the general will for, for God, uh, of God on your life? To do the work of the ministry. When I start doing the work of the ministry, I can begin to discern and discover the specific will of God for my life. Good news. And for the edifying of the body of Christ. Remember, we started this series because we were talking about rebuilding the foundations of Jerusalem, the walls, the gates of Jerusalem. It was a natural, real place, but it points to a very spiritual reality and a spiritual truth and a part of our spiritual journey, the general will of God for our lives, so that the, the body, so that we personally can be edified. Edified means to be built up. So when I'm built up, then you're built up. I can build you up. You can actually help build me up, and we're building one another up and the Holy Spirit is the one doing all the work in us and through us whenever we collaborate with him. Amen. Here's the problem. There are people running around saying they're apostles and prophets, but they're not, they're not equipping anybody. In fact, they're, they're scattering sheep more than they're doing anything. Shepherds are to gather sheep, tend to sheep, love sheep, equip sheep. I'm a shepherd, but I'm also a saint. Uh, as a saint, I pray for people. I serve others. I pray for the sick. As a shepherd, I equip you to, to lead people to salvation, to pray for others, to walk them through emotional healing, to help them find freedom through deliverance. That's my role as an equipper, as a shepherd. I equip and I gather other equippers to equip the church. That's my role. Could you imagine if our staff were the only ones who were doing the work of the ministry? It would take forever to reach this city. But if we equip you and you actually start walking in the general will of God for your life, and you start ministering as a saint, healing, salvation, deliverance, inner healing and physical healing, what would take place? Oh, we, we'd win the city for Christ. We'd do exactly what the, the word of God is telling us to do. And in the midst, you'd start to find, define your specific will, the specific will God has for you. Acts 20, 28, and 29 it says, therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he, has, he purchased with his own blood. For I know, I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Now, when Paul left the church, did real, actual wolves from Alaska go in and ravage the church? No. He's talking about spiritual forces that are trying to make their way into the flock. 
We wrestle not with flesh and blood. It's never the people or the person. It's the spirit that has approval, legal agreement, has an open door. Their walls are torn down. Their gates are broken, burned. And the enemy of their soul has a way to come in and out. And they don't even know what they're doing because they're just oppressed. And when something something is said or something doesn't go their way or something reminds them of an old memory that happened when they were a kid or a different church or, or at school or in their household, and then they just go off and they lose it. And they want to tear everybody down with them. You got to rescue the person from the wolf. And being a shepherd, you got to stand firm in the middle of the fight and say, if you're going to get them, you got to get through me. And that sheep will bite you, kick you, gnaw at you, think you're the worst thing in the world while you're saving their lives. But the great shepherd walks up behind you and says, buddy, you're not just dealing with him dealing with me too and boy some wool there's some wolves that have grown some really nice wool <laughs> y'all hear me hirelings run but true shepherds they step up they step in so how do we recognize true shepherds they gather instead of scatter they feed the sheep they love the sheep they, they set up protective structures they bring in other shepherds to help oversee to help guide to protect they bless the sheep. They lay down their own lives for the sheep. Can I just tell you, uh, Pastor Deb could be doing something else, making a lot more money than she does right now. Y'all need to pay her better. Pastor Cass could be doing something else, making a lot more money. Y'all need to pay him better. Uh, I, could, I could do many things. So it's not about the money. I like doing a lot of things. So we lay our lives down. And, and we fight with the wolves that are within you, fighting for you, trying to protect you from these very things that are after you. And sometimes you don't even know they're in the flock. But I'm telling you, we love the wolf out of you. <laughs> I can tell you, the shepherd can do all these things and you can feed the sheep and you can love them and tend to them. You can throw feed out for a mile and yet they'll still run away. Because ultimately... They belong to the great shepherd. And that's number three. Oh, Lord Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Somebody knows. The great shepherd. Matthew 2, 6. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not, not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Hebrews 13, 20. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. First Peter 2, 25, I got a lot of them. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. I'm gonna tell you, when God's speaking to you, when his word is saying it, and he's given directive, and, and he's set up shepherds over you to oversee the flock and to protect you and guide you and deliver the hard truth with love, grace, and mercy, and stands firm for you, he's overseeing your soul. Mark 6, 34, and Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them. Let me tell you, this is what moves us. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. 
And so we, t- we sit down and we teach. So Jesus began to teach. It ought not be. So D- Jesus, with his specific will, begins to put it in the hearts of people who he's calling because they're walking out his general will. And he puts compassion for a situation, a circumstance, a people of Burma, a people of Henderson County. And we say it ought not be. And so we stand firm in the, in the face of the biting sheep and we teach. We stay up late at night. We wake up early in the middle of the night, fretting, worried, concerned. Are they ever gonna get it? We want them to be blessed. We want what we're experiencing for them. As we hand it over to the great shepherd, he begins to move through us on your behalf and we all get to rejoice together. I'm gonna read a couple more. Skip to John 10, 24, 28. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, how long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly, oh, he has been. Sometimes Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep, as as I said to you. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. You know why they don't get snatched out of his hand? Because they listen to his word. They follow him. They don't make the best version of their own efforts of what they think he means. They don't do the five when he means 10. They don't do the last when he means first. They just do it. That's what he says. That way I don't get snatched out of his hands. I'm not easily tormented by troubles. And when I veer off, I'm quick to hear his voice and I come back into alignment and he blesses me. The benefits of being a sheep Oh, you, what are you, just a sheep? Absolutely, I'm a sheep to the shepherd, the great shepherd, because here's the benefits. I get to hear him, I get to know him, I get to follow him towards abundance, protection, favor, blessings, and all those things that I want for me, my family, and everybody around me. And I get eternal life. I'm a sheep. Ezekiel 34, 11, 12 says, for thus says the Lord God, indeed I myself will search for my sheep And I'm gonna seek him out. This is Old Testament prophecy, speaking about the New Testament and things in which he would do. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. Do you know it was a cloudy and dark day as Jesus hung on that cross with a perfect plan, giving his life away as a sacrifice for our sins, for the remission of our sins, for the forgiveness of our sins, to justify us, to begin this awesome plan of sanctification, which means cleaning our soul up as we, as we, as we align with the will, the general will of God for our lives through his word and listening 
because of the empowerment and receiving that gift from the Father, the Holy Spirit, which is promised by Jesus, and the inner working of the Holy Spirit in our souls, sanctifying us, cleaning us, making us look more like Christ. Though I'm not perfect, my spirit is perfect because of what Jesus did on the cross. On a dark and cloudy day, he says, I'm bringing you in. Come on, let's stand up. Come on, worship team. I'm bringing you in. Come on, let's stand up. I'm bringing you in. And today, there's going to be a prayer team up here. If you need prayer for anything, you don't have to be a member at Thrive. You just need to be here. And maybe today is that dark and cloudy day, and he's saying, I'm bringing them in. You've been scattered. You've been listening to some voices. You've been listening to things that don't look like me. They don't sound like me, and they don't align with my word. They don't align with what what that dude on the platform is talking about today. Maybe it's freedom, maybe it's, maybe it's salvation, maybe it's physical healing. Let me tell you, when the Holy Spirit is present, I want to get everything he has for me. Maybe it's emotional healing. There's a lot of emotional needs and needs for emotional healing in every house today. So, Father, we just pray for healing, emotional, physical. We pray for deliverance, Lord. Pray for freedom for all of your people. The passageways of the enemy be identified and gates be built back up and they truly be dedicated unto you and the walls that have been laid down in ruins, Lord, that they be edified, built up yet again, structures be strengthened for your people. Lord, we pray that those who have not yet received that promise in which you left us to receive the fullness of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, that they receive that today, you today, Lord, that they receive by faith trusting that you are a good father and you give good gifts to any who ask. We pray that people not leave here the same in which they came. Pray that the wolves be driven out, the beasts of the field that have been tormenting our families for generations, our minds, our souls, be driven out right now by choice of the sheep in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, we pray for every, every individual who's who's desiring the general will, your general will for their lives. And Lord, we pray as they walk in it, you begin to highlight the specific will, the calling in which you've created them for. And we pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Can I get a good amen? Amen.